Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the KettleCast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. On this episode of the cast, we'll be talking about the Hawks' 109-121 loss to the Boston Celtics. Celtics got Kimball Walker and Daniel Tice back, and those two provided a boost for the Celtics who were, couldn't beat the Hawks on Wednesday, but were able to come up with enough to knock off the Hawks on Friday night. Without further ado, let's get into it. Early in this game, it looked like it was going to be an ugly one. I don't know if anybody remembers the game from last year against the L.A. Clippers when the Hawks just got down by 50 and never got in the game. But the Celtics got up early, had a couple of big runs in the first half. They had a 17-4 to run in the first quarter, and then they had a 20-3 to run at the end of the second quarter. And it looked like the Celtics were just going to run away with this game. In a different sort of game than the one on Wednesday night of this two-game set between the Celtics and the Hawks, the Celtics really took control from the beginning, and a lot of that had to do with the two guys they got back. Kimball Walker and Daniel Tice both didn't play in that first game against the Hawks, and Kimball Walker in particular just could not miss. He was hitting everything. He had a bunch of threes. He had a bunch of shots, and it was just he looked like he had had a couple of days off, and um, he really played well. His final line of the night was, 10 of 16 from the field, 5 of 8 from three-point land. A lot of those threes in big moments when it looked like the Hawks at the end of this game might have been able to get back into it. He had five rebounds, six assists, three steals, and the Celtics were plus 26 when Kimball Walker was on the court. He Having a point guard on the court was just huge for the Celtics, allowed them to get set, and the Hawks really didn't have an answer for the Celtics' offense. The Celtics scored 30 in the over 30 points in the first three periods, 33 in the first, 33 in the second, 32 points to tie the 32 that the Hawks scored in the third quarter. And then finally, the Hawks defense got into control a little bit in that fourth quarter to hold the Celtics to only 23 um, and really make this game an actual interesting game where it looks like the Hawks might have been able to get out of Boston with two wins, but that was not to be. Daniel Tice came back and played 33 minutes. He was 7 of 9 from the field um, for 14 points, had 8 rebounds, 4 assists, and 3 blocks. The blocks were a big story for the Celtics in this one. They ended the game with 12 blocks, and just having Daniel Tice come back was a big, big boost for that paint um, defense for the Boston Celtics. The Hawks took advantage in the first game of the lack of any defense in the paint. The Hawks outscored the Celtics 60 to 46 in the paint in that first game. In this one, the Celtics won that battle 66 to 52, and Daniel Tice was a big part of that. Even though he's not really your traditional big shot blocker, he's not um, over 6'10, he, he's not a particularly tall guy, he just knows where to be, and he got a lot of blocks. Um, Cam Reddish definitely was not as effective in the paint, he was getting his shot blocked, and it seemed any time that any of the Hawks besides Clint Capella got in the paint, or Trey Young got in the paint, it was going to get blocked or their shot was going to be altered in some form. Other than those two guys who came back, um, there wasn't really a huge performance. Jason Tatum had his, you know, kind of typical night. He was 10 of 21 from the field, 3 of 8 from three-point land, hit two free throws, had 25 points. But he was the only Celtic starter to not have a positive plus-minus for the Celtics not to be positive when he was on the court. The Hawks were finally able to get back into the game at the beginning of the fourth quarter. They had a strong showing at the beginning of the third quarter, but were unable to sustain that. And 
the Celtics ended up matching them point for point in that third quarter. But in the fourth quarter, Nate McMillan changed the lineup and went all with a full second uh, second unit of guys, including Brandon Goodwin, who hadn't played at all before that. Uh, Skylar Mays got the first backup point guard minutes and actually didn't play poorly. He was fine. He played six minutes. But uh, um, Nate McMillan decided to go with Brandon Goodwin. I don't know if that was because the Hawks went into a 2-3 zone and just felt like uh, Brandon Goodwin was better than that, better for that situation. But uh, for whatever reason, it worked. Goodwin only played five minutes in the game, all came in the fourth quarter. He was 0 of 1. He, he missed his only shot attempt, had no other statistics, um, but ended the game plus 11, which is pretty uh, pretty impressive to do. But the 2-3 zone really messed up the Celtics, especially at early in the period. That second unit was just a huge shot of life for the Hawks, especially Solomon Hill. Um, I've been a little bit of critical of Solomon for the last few games. His shooting just hasn't been as good as it was at the beginning of the season. But there's no doubt that Solomon Hill had a huge effect on this game. The veteran uh, forward played 18 minutes. He was 3 of 4 from the field, hit his only three-pointer, a big one in the fourth quarter, and got to the free throw line five times and made all five of his free throws. He just got in there, and he wasn't willing to lay down. The Hawks weren't. Didn't look like they were going to have any sort of chance to come out of Boston with a you know two wins, but Solomon Hill and this backup unit got in there. The defense was really good, and they just slowly chopped away at this lead. Uh, Brad Stevens for the Celtics called timeouts multiple tr- times to try to stem this lead. The the Celtics had built uh, the lead all the way up to 27 points at a couple times in this game, and the backup unit for the Hawks just slowly whittled it down, whittled it down. It was you know under 19. Uh, Stevens calls a timeout. The Hawks kept pushing. They'd get it to 11. One of the Celtics would come down, come down and hit a three-pointer, whether it was Jason Tatum or Kimball Walker, and be like, okay, that stems the tide. That should end the game. But no, the Hawks kept coming back and kept getting stops, a couple stops in a row, make some easy buckets, and they eventually got the game under, uh, under double digits. They got it to nine, um, and it looked like the Hawks would really have a chance to win. McMillan ultimately went back to his starting unit, um, and he didn't go to Clint Capella for the whole fourth quarter, and that that's probably the only big um, question I would have. Clint Capella was rolling in this game. He ended it with 24 points. He had he was 11 of 14 from the field, had 15 rebounds, nine of those offensive, an assist, two steals, four blocks. Clint Capella was a monster even uh, when Tice was out there for the Celtics, but um Clint Capella played 31 minutes and it's tough to ask your big man to go for an entire quarter even when it looks like he's like your biggest positive player for the Hawks but um the the starters came in and they kind of carried that momentum that the second unit had brought for the Hawks Um, but ultimately that lead was just a little bit too much there were a couple times I thought there was a big possession where Trey got into transition had John Collins and just missed him went for a floater instead didn't make the floater, and uh, you know all those possessions were so precious at the end of the game because the Hawks were coming back from such a huge deficit um, that it was it was real encouraging for the Hawks to fight back. They had a 36-point quarter in that fourth quarter and were able to make this game at least respectable. Um, but you know you'd love to see Trey make that pass and see if they were gonna able to come all the way back. Um, Trey had a really awesome game. Again, he was efficient from the field, 10 of 16 from the field, 3 of 7 from three-point land, 8 of 9 from the free-throw line for 31 points. 
Another double-double for him. Four rebounds, 11 assists. He had three steals. And um, he cut his turnovers from eight last time to six. Um, and he was able, he was really, him and Clint Capella were the only Hawks that had anything going at the beginning of the game. The rest of the starters really didn't play well. I thought in particular John Collins um, had a rough game. He just never got going. But Cam, John, and Kevin Herter combined to be eight of 33 from the field, one of five from three-point land. Um, Kevin Herter hit the only three of those three. Uh, five of five from the free throw line. They combined for 22 points, 10 rebounds, three assists. Cam Reddish did have five steals, and the Hawks as a team had 16 steals, or 14 steals, excuse me, which is just a huge amount. But it just didn't translate into getting points in the uh, in transition or, or get points you know, easily. The Hawks, I mean, maybe the biggest stat of the game, the Hawks were four, shot 42% from the field. Boston shot 56% from the field. So that's a little bit of a flip from the previous game. The Boston was just able to get a lot of really good looks. Kimball Walker was part of that. And also, I mean, Tristan Thompson at the end of the game had two lobs to Daniel Tice when they started. Fi- the Celtics started figuring out how to attack the zone. Um, and the Celtics just did a nice job of finding open players and, get- and making shots. Um, the Celtics also shot 14 of 35 from the three-point land. And they only got to the free throw line. I mean, here's a credit to the Hawks. Um, they didn't foul a lot. The Celtics were just 7 of 10 from the free throw line. But it didn't matter because of how effectively the Celtics were shooting the ball. The Hawks got to the free throw line 25 times and hit 23 of those. Um, but again, the three-point shooting was not very good as the Hawks shot 10 of 30 from the three-point line. So um, the bench came alive. Again, part of that was, or that was a lot of that fourth quarter, the bench scoring. And the Hawks outscored the Celtics bench 32-20. to 20. Um, Celtics bench just didn't really get going. Peyton Pritchard, after having a really strong game in the first one against the Hawks, didn't play re- very well. And In fact, Robert Williams, the Time Lord, uh, was the only bench player for the Celtics to really put up any numbers. He had 12 points, 7 rebounds, 4 blocks. He was a monster. Um, and the Hawks just never were able to get anything easy. Uh, Jalen Brown had an all right game, six of 12 at the beginning of the game. It looked like he was going to really make up for that first game or, or have a much better performance, but he was just six of 12, four of seven from three point land had 17 points, four rebounds, six assists. And then Tristan Thompson was eight of nine from the field, 17 points, five rebounds, three assists. Again, those lobs to Daniel Tice at the end of the game when the Celtics actually slowed down a little bit and figured out how to attack the 2-3 zone, uh, were big. But, you know, the Hawks just got down so big so early, it it really felt like this was going to be a game that just spun out of control and may take any momentum the Hawks had after that really nice win on Wednesday. But uh, it was encouraging to see the second unit again, um, like they did in the Spurs game, kind of take a game that is way out of control and just kind of reel it back in and make an effort. You don't want it to, you know... To get so out of control, they that by the time you reel it in, you've run out of time. You know, only starting the fourth quarter, or the lead has gotten so out of hand, like it did in that Spurs game, that there's really no way you're going to be able to get the way all the way back in. But it has been encouraging for the second unit of the Hawks to really play well and to see other guys um, pick up the slack. Danilo Gallinari is not shooting the ball particularly well the last few games, um, but other guys such as Tony Snell. It's really good to see Solomon Hill get back on track. And also, 
you hear about uh, Solomon Hill being a voice in the locker room and being a leader in the locker room after defeats or victories and, and being that kind of veteran voice that the Hawks need. But it's always good when those players also perform well on the court. And to see Solomon Hill really take charge in that fourth quarter, and it seemed like he kind of took it personally that the Hawks were down that much. And he was attacking the basket. He hit that big three-pointer that kind of um, really got the Hawks back into this game where, you know, when you're only down 14 with seven minutes to go, that's a game. That's a game that certainly either team can win. And the Hawks got it down to nine with, I think, about four minutes to go. So it, it was either team's game. And um, after trailing by as many as 27, it was like, you know, are the Hawks going to do this? And ultimately they didn't. And maybe, you know, as well as Clint Capella played, maybe you'd like to see him play a few more minutes. Um, maybe uh, Solomon Hill could play even more minutes in the fourth quarter. You, you let the guys who got you there finish the game. But I have no problem with Nate McMillan putting in the starters, especially guys that we hope and expect to be Hawks for a long time, such as Trey, John, Kevin Herter, get some experience trying to fight over that amount, um, that deficit, and get a win. Um, it didn't happen. You know, the Hawks ultimately lost and, and dropped to 12 and 17. But it was a game that certainly, you know, last year would have, I think, gone all the way out of control. And, and the Hawks really would have come out of Boston with nothing to hold their head up about. And I think this loss, you know, 109 to 121, and especially the way they finished the game, the Hawks can take some positives. They have to play better defense at the beginning of games. Part of the reason the Boston shot the ball so well is. The Hawks weren't getting out and challenging some of those shots. I thought the Hawks, you know, they did get their hands on the ball a lot. Those 14 steals reflect that. But there's also times where it felt like the Celtics had open shots and were just able to knock those down. Of course, shots that Jason Tatum takes, he's just a really difficult shot maker. And, you know, as good as Kevin Herter can be on him or Cam Reddish, he's going to make those shots. But other guys um, aren't always going to, be making shots as, as effectively as the rest of the Boston did. Um, I think it also just shows that, you know, complete teams, getting Kimball Walker and Daniel Tice back was huge for the Celtics. And hopefully the Hawks can look forward to some of their reinforcements coming back, um, you know, these next couple weeks before the All-Star game. And then especially after the All-Star break, hopefully some reinforcements will be coming for the Hawks and they'll have a little bit of a deeper rotation. But brutal loss. Um, you hope that the Hawks could spark a little bit of a winning streak. They're now 12-17 and 17 and still trying to figure out how to win games. They have their next game in Atlanta against the Denver Nuggets. It gets no easier. Um, Jamal Murray just dropped 50 points in the Nuggets last game. But we will get to see um, fan favorite of the Hawks, Paul Millsap, comes back to Atlanta. So it's always fun to have uh, Paul come back, and hopefully the Hawks will be able to get a win on Sunday. Go Hawks! Thank you for catching this episode of the KettleCast. You can reach me at kettlecast at gmail.com. Go Hawks!